So if you hear Richie McKay speak after a loss for the Liberty Flames men's basketball team, and unfortunately for them, they've had quite a few of those here in Conference USA play much more than in prior years in the back half of their Big South tenure and even in the A-Sun. You hear a lot of Richie McKay taking ownership for what's happened, but it's not just that. He will highlight areas where the team can also get better. However, it does give us a chance to kind of decipher what he's doing, what he's saying, and what he means. Nothing beats an insightful press conference. I think I realized we got a long way to go. You know, uh, we definitely did some good things, and we did some things that we, we want to take back. We left some yards and some points out there on the field, but for the first time coming out uh, and to get a dub is really a blessing, and we were just happy to have that. That's why you need so-called experts to decipher what's really being said. It's nothing about the past, nothing about the future. It's right now we're preparing for Cincinnati. It's time for what he said and what he meant. True insight into all the cliches and coach speak. So, I mean, look, this is a Liberty Flames team that at one point they were 5-5 five and five in Conference USA play. Now they have lost back-to-back road games. The Sam Houston State one, falling down 18-2 early is not acceptable, but losing to a team that's 9-3 and three in Conference USA is at least more understandable given what we know about the, the limitations for the Liberty Flames. Last night at previously three win, eight loss in conference, FIU, team that's at the bottom of the conference standings, albeit just by a game because everything's bunched up, but still at the bottom of the conference standings. Two games back of Liberty, or three games back of Liberty entering last night. I get the disappointment if you're a Flames fan. And if you're Richie McKay and you're saying what you're saying, to some fans it may not resonate, but allow us to try to at least explain what, what it seems like he's doing, because let's go way, way back to six days ago when the Flames lost at Sam Houston State. And Richie McKay did what he's often done, which is falling on the proverbial sword, but still praising at least the one thing his team can control, their effort. It takes a lot to, to come back when you dig such a big hole and uh, credit to Sam Houston. They, they did a terrific job, really punched us in the mouth uh, uh, I, I own that one. That's the second game that we've had in a week's prep that uh, we, we just we didn't. Jack State was the other one. We didn't we didn't start like we needed to, uh, and and we played on our heels for probably the first thirty minutes of the game. Richie McKay, I own that one for not getting the team ready. If you hear that and you've heard it a lot now, as the Flames are you know five wins and seven losses in Conference USA play and. Uh, They've lost plenty of games out of conference like Florida, Atlantic, and Alabama. No real shame in both those teams. But some other ones where, and even no shame in losing to Grand Canyon, one of the top teams in the WAC. But, you know, the volume of them is not something Flames fans are used to experiencing. It can get frustrating. Now, if you're Richie McKay, this is the one area where it doesn't feel like the locker room has quit on the players or that the player, nobody's quit on each other. Coaches on players or vice versa. And Richie McKay continues to reference this he said it after Sam Houston State, and he's mentioned it countless times in the lead up to and even following that loss on Saturday. Proud of our group's uh, effort. Like they won't give up. Uh, I think. Uh, I think this team has a chance to do some special things. So, uh, but yeah, that, Sam Houston was uh, was much more the aggressor. Got it to the, the rim and into uh, the line in the in the first half, and obviously that was their intent, and they did a great job of doing it. I mean, I get it if you're Richie McKay. You praise them. You think they have a chance to do special things. Uh, you know, it, it seems like that's relative to what the talent level of this team is, which it's not as high as it's been 
and prior years under Richie McKay. And, and I, I emphasize that because there's this idea that they can't assess talent, bring it in, and develop it when they've got a, a long track record leading up to the Darius McGee years of doing just that. Now, the challenge is more great when you're talking about NIL and the transfer portal, but you are talking about a school a real strong collective, relatively speaking, with the Flames Rising Collective, a real passionate fan base, and a school that, let's be clear and honest here, they, they've given second chances in a number of areas. And, you know, Richie McKay may have a little bit of a harsher standard than other coaches that have come through the doors in different sports at Liberty, uh, and no shade on that. But the reality also is is that, I mean, you're, you've got to be willing to do that if you're a, a team and a player in the Flames. And I don't think Richie McKay is averse to that. He's never said... He's never gone all Dabo Swinney and said no. But if you look at what Richie McKay has done, he's kind of directed the criticism that Flames fans might have back at him because they were down 14 to Florida International last night. Came back, snapped out of it, and they missed a shot at the end. It was not the best look from three-point range, and Richie McKay, as any good leader would do, owning the shot at the end. No, we we, uh, we missed on an action. Uh timing was a little off uh that's that's me i'll i'll take that one our late game execution is usually pretty good but uh, they had a foul to give so and we had no timeouts left so uh, i i don't think he could have driven the ball scored it and then we foul and then foul again with there being enough clock to uh to get another possession so try to go for a three on that last one I get the logic if you're Liberty. It, it just, uh, to me, it boils back down to what we've known about this team, which is there are certain athletic limitations and the explosiveness or lack thereof and the ability to create offense when things go awry. Sounds like a team we may be discussing around 5.30 today with Joel Berry II, ACC Network basketball analyst and former North Carolina star, as well as Andrew Jones of Tar Heel Illustrated, more specific to that North Carolina-Virginia game with Andrew Jones around 5.45 today. But... Richie McKay, part of the reason that I think there's credibility to him owning the loss is he's also willing to point out the shortcomings of this team. Now, there's nothing you can do right now to correct it. You can't go to the transfer portal midseason, although with the fact the NCAA uh, has basically the courts granted a temporary injunction today and the Tennessee slash Virginia against the NCAA case, where now uh, there's even fewer restrictions on transfers and NILs, uh, NIL than well, before. Well, no, wait a minute. <laughs> there's, I don't think you could say there's less restriction. It's just... There's less ability to enforce it. Yeah. Because they were... Basically, what's happening now, the courts were like, yeah, you really can't do anything about it. That That's a good assessment of and, the trend. And I know Tennessee is at the headline in this, but it's also big for the state of Virginia. Um, Tim Thomas from the Tech Lunch Trail brought up a good point, and he's like, if I'm reading this correct, Triumph NIL could go to a Virginia high school player and just be like, we will pay you X amount of dollars to go to Virginia Tech. They could! And, and it's fine. And, and do not be shocked now if you get even more of that. Not Here's my only thing, Trey. How much more Wild Wild West can it be? How much more are you going to get these type of changes? Now, you may get some departures that are out there from particular programs, but by and large, hadn't this already been going on? Like, yes. Hadn't there already been tampering? The stupid dynamic in all of this is that the NCAA conference commissioners are trying to get bailed out by the courts, and the courts clearly are saying, nah, we are not doing that. We are going to, you know, do what is legally fair, I guess, is a way to put it. 
Um, so the only way this gets gone is collective bargaining. It's plain and simple as that. But uh, to your liberty point, I, I want to interject this, and I've kind of gone to the theme of the reason, a big reason why liberty is five and seven and is not meeting expectations is twofold. One, you're, there is going to be a drop-off when you lose the best player in 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 probably program history in Darius McGee. But to double down on that, you are stepping up to more of a night-in, night-out, tougher competition. And this is, again, no offense to the A-Sun. It's nowhere close. I mean... I know this team is not in Conference USA anymore, but this was a conference that produced a Final Four team last year and multiple Sweet 16 teams, if I'm remembering at least multiple tournament teams, if I'm remembering correctly. So, this is a good basketball conference, historically, if you look at Conference USA. And there are still some teams in this league that have been good basketball programs. So, the night-in, night-out competition is up a level, plus they don't have that guy that can bail them out like Darius McGee did last year. Or at least they haven't had that person step up. It's been Kyle Rhodes some nights. It's been someone else some nights. It's been, you know, they don't have that one guy where you give him the basketball. And I think it's the same thing with Virginia and Virginia Tech to some degree is both teams late have missed that consistent closer. You know? You just said the buzzword. All three teams. Like, if you go back to 2019 in Virginia, they had a Ty Jerome and a Kyle Guy who was that consistent closer for them that would make a play late. It feels like the difference between your upper echelon teams and the ones in the Commonwealth, and Virginia, their system is so good and they have such good coaching that they can win at a level better than the other two and I'm not trying to downgrade Mike Young I just I'm so high of Tony Bennett where like I you put Tony Bennett anywhere he will win at a high level like I think Tony Bennett could coach in the NBA I think that's how good a basketball coach he is um schematically yes it's just also they play such a style where it's you know it's a lot of close games But, but you said the word that matters the most Trey consistency like you, I think you're the nail on the head with that. Yeah, for, same for, thing for Virginia Tech and Liberty, especially. Hundred percent. How many nights have we seen Sean Padula drop thirty? And then how many nights have we seen Sean Padula like, lay figures, an egg? Yeah, single figures, and he's got like seven turnovers. Like, like that, and and you want to talk about the best basketball team in the Commonwealth? And we're about to talk Virginia Tech women's basketball. You could argue, outside of Caitlin Clark, the most consistent player in the country is Elizabeth Kitley cuz you're going to get like 25 and 12 from her every night which is insane when Kenny Brooks at a post game press conference is talking about we should not take the fact that Liz Kitley is a 25 and 12 machine every night and like that is a normal stat line for her that just shows how good of a basketball player she is like that is crazy to think about and so asking asking fans to appreciate greatness. what you have Greatness, but, great moments, opportunities. There's a reason for it because Liberty's experiencing it, Trey, where yeah. not every year you're going to have a Darius McGee talent 
that sticks around, or for Virginia, Jerome Hunter and Guy, and for all the talk of the Magic, they had three NBA-caliber players, including a top-five pick in the draft when Virginia won the championship. They don't have anybody of that skill set. Dunn may be a first-rounder, uh, but it's more on in the a side. In a very weak draft. draft. I would say upside, in a very weak draft. Upside in a weak draft, and Reese Beekman will probably be drafted, but again, it's a weak draft. It's different right now. Yeah, absolutely. For, for those two teams. But the consistency part, that's the nail on the head. I mean, there are nights for Virginia where you're like, oh, Isaac Manili, he's shooting 25. He's getting 25 to 33s a game. Then he's got nights like in Blacksburg where he disappears. And you have to have players develop to the point where they can get – heck, for Virginia – Debbie Antonelli hit the nail on the head about how they can be better offensively in Charlottesville, and she just said Ryan Dunn. That's the ding-ding-ding answer. Because based on the NBA projections, and it's his defensive skill set, dude is a first-round talent in the NBA. But his offense is a major question mark right now. We've touched on it with Liberty, we've touched on it with Virginia and Virginia Tech, and it's why all of those teams are not expected to make deep runs in March unless you're talking about the NIT if they even get that far. Speaking of getting far... Trey is going to be getting far this weekend. Actually, I'm going further. I'm supposed to be heading up to D.C. after covering North Carolina, Virginia tomorrow. I'm heading home. Ty Tracy. My my, my home of my heart. The home of his heart. Blacksburg. To touch on what may be one of the more iconic days for Virginia Tech basketball. And They're going to lose this game. That's what always happens with the game day thing. The only thing I'll say is... is Courtney Banghart of North Carolina has given a lot of fire with some of her uh, criticisms uh-huh. directed towards Virginia Tech and other programs. And Carolina's good, but they're not great. Virginia Tech, to me, they are great relative to the rest of the ACC. So it's it's like this deal with Antonio Pierce right now, who is poking the Patrick Mahomes bear. I mean, first of all, I love the Mahomes. idea of promoting from within with Antonio Pierce, and he seemed to rally and get the most out of the Raiders. Just don't look up what he did at Arizona State. Exactly. Now, Just don't look the it up. reservations people had dating back to Arizona State of him being too maniacally competitive. And again, I, I don't have a. He recruited. He he brought people in to the Arizona State facility during the dead period during COVID. When that even was, SEC schools were abiding by that. I mean, do that saying something. They're not even cheating down there, and you are. I I, I, I was okay with him hiring Antonio Pierce because it more like they should have hired Rich. Basaccia when they had the chance to do that. that long name. But I think they are overblowing the fact they were the last team to beat Mahomes on that Christmas Day game. Well, exactly. Why, why poke the bear any more than you have to? But it gets back to that point. Because at, at best, you're the third best team in that division, I think, next year. At best. And I that's a long way. We can yeah. get ahead of that. Well, we'll get to the NFL later. But the point about how, the, how that conversation about Antonio Pierce poking Patrick Mahomes relates to our, our neck of the woods is Courtney Bangart, the North Carolina women's basketball coach. She is an antagonistic type coach. She said things about NC State's gym. She's made comments about Castle Coliseum and the atmosphere there. Now, looky here. Game day is going to be there on Saturday. And the players like Liz Kitley, who said this after the win at Louisville, clearly understand the magnitude of this moment. Just makes me very proud of what we've done with the program here because um, coming in freshman year we would have never had a college game day um, but that just shows you know what coach Brooks and uh, all of us have been able to do um, and where we've been able to take this program and it's a great feeling that's Liz Kitley speaking about game day coin to Blacksburg Dude, it's her senior day. She understands the significance of the moment they've had a full week to decompress after the emotionally charged win 
at Louisville this past Sunday. It'll be a full week to this coming Sunday when our own Trey Lyle will be in the house and documenting it at Trey Lyle VT on his social media platforms and maybe a little bit at Fastlane Edlane as well uh, from, from Castle Coliseum. But it's not a good look in that scenario when it's understanding the magnitude of the moment, and it clearly is a big one for the Virginia Tech women's basketball team. Speaking of other big moments, there are plenty of them that we get to discuss right now as we touch on big moments, or at least moments that are worth discussing, including a big moment if you like games and college sports to kick off the Fast Five at Five-ish. It's time for the Fast Five at Five-ish Five fast-paced, quick-witted things you need to know right now. Number five. EA Sports announcing that all 134 Division I-A FBS football teams will be in the new college football video game. Players who choose to opt in will receive a free copy of the game. The NCAA wouldn't even allow that back in the day. Plus, oh, gas pier NCAA, $600 per player. The players will be paid annually and can opt out of the game at any point in the future. So a lot of players just want to be in this game because it's cool and you could legitimately be in the game. It's comical the idea that Caleb Williams would have taken if he were back for another year. I am going to opt out as if we don't know who the quarterback of USC is when he looks just like Caleb Williams has the same number. It just doesn't say Williams on the back, even though if I'm not mistaken, you can go in and put Williams on the back yourself. Yeah, like you did. Yeah, like you would do back in the day. I mean, I would put, you know, like Tyrod on or whoever. Just grab the $600 if you're a player and realize that. Get the game. That's not part I'm most. Well, well, yeah, here's the thing, Trey. The game sold about a million copies the last time it was out. I would presume because it's the first time back in a decade and there's been a huge outcry again. I'm not a gaming guy, so I have no concept of this. I am buying this video game. You are a gaming guy and plenty of other folks that are your age, college sports fans are in that demographic. This will fly off the shelves. Dude, if you're a player, opt to be in and take the money because it's what Andy Staples. Yeah, it's what Andy Staples talked about. It's like yeah, you might get $600 for the game itself, which you have to think about. Like, It's actually like over $6 million they're spending on just the players for this game. But like the fact, like, for example, if you... Let's let's go locally here and... Like, Caden Salter. Caden Salter would be a really good example because it'd be a fun... Like, the best part about playing this game is picking like a mid a mid a mid level team and winning a national championship with it. Like I am most excited for taking my beloved Hawaii Rainbow Warriors into the SEC and winning the national title with them. That is what I'm most excited about. But if you want to use Caden Salter for example, which it will be interesting how they use that uh Chadwell offense in that system, but like he's going to let's say some dude in California like like Salter becomes one of the best players in the game or one of the most fun players in the game well that's building his brand up like basically for free without him getting hit which is pretty good it is dude it's free advertising if you're a player be in the game it's not free advertising it's $600 like you get paid to get free advertising you're getting paid to basically have yourself like instead of paying for advertising you are getting paid to advertise yourself. Like, Yeah, that's the best take, way to put it. Take the money because it'll enhance your profile in other areas that if you have smart representation and plenty of these guys do, they will help you capitalize on that. Number four. Other nuggets relative to the NCAA include college football officials who are expected to continue discussing the idea of adding a two-minute warning to games in a rules committee meeting within the next couple of days. Uh, people bemoan this idea 
But the reality is the uniformity of the NFL game, while there are certain college football, I'll use air quotes here, purists that detest the idea of adopting NFL rules, why wouldn't you consider adopting rules from a league that is the most popular sports brand and year in and year out has at least 90 to 95% of the most watched television products continuously? Dude, what are you doing here? To answer the question of our friends, the Three Stooges... Are you that dumb? The answer should be clearly no, and if you have a chance to take something good from the NFL and you don't have to pay for it, because you know they'll squeeze you for every dollar they've got, you might as well do it. Number three. Speaking of ideas that I don't like, according to Yahoo Sports, Greg Sankey, SEC commissioner, has mentioned that the league is considering a proposal that would make the Wednesday before the conference championship games. So think around, like, Wednesday, November 30th of a a certain year. Just use that as an example. The Wednesday before the conference championship games, that that would be the early signing period. Here's my problem with that. You still have coaches who are having to focus their efforts on roster recruitment and retention during the season. When, not if, but when these guys become employees, let's not get it twisted here, that at some point they're going to restructure the entire organization. And I've said this for years, that while some players can juggle classes really well, why not just give them the opportunity as part of going to a school to take a lighter academic load when they're football players? Because let's be honest, it's basically a job and it is going to be more of a job. And therefore, allow them to really get their academic work in later. So, you know, if guys transfer and they have to miss uh, the spring semester and make it up lightly over the summer and then do it at other times or get that free education to use at another point when they actually will take it seriously, by the way, you might as well use that route. Inevitably, again, it will go that way. This is merely just Greg Zanke trying to use one of his patented flexes. Number two. I'm not always one to criticize announcers, but after two years as Notre Dame's play-by-play voice, Jack Collinsworth is out. Officials have told the Athletics' Andrew Marshan, who is as respected as any when it comes to this type of news. Dan Hicks, who previously used to do Notre Dame games, he's also done PGA golf, by the way, on NBC. He will team up with... Swimming as well in the Olympics. Great, great broadcaster. He, here's my thing with... Thank God this is happening. Can I just say... Sorry, did no, that come out? No, no, look, Trey, here's my thing. Jack Collinsworth getting this job seems an awful lot like he got it because his dad, Chris Collinsworth, is the NBC Sunday Night Football announcer. Never mind, we have to hear every time they do a game. Unless, of course, you listen to the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app and our Sunday Night Broadcasts. But we always have to hear how great pro football focus is, even though we don't really know what the grading system is for PFF. And players like J.J. Watt, who outed it on the Pat McAfee show about a month ago, saying, oh, yeah, we put the PFF grades up against our grades from our position coaches, and we laughed at what those guys at PFF had actually put out there. And again, some things for PFF, good, valuable metrics. The grades, and we're not hearing how they grade, it's absolutely ridiculous. But anyway, the guy who came up with that system, his son was the broadcaster for Notre Dame. I don't think Jack Collinsworth was ever that good of a broadcaster. And this is not the idea of I can't stand sons of great broadcasters coming in because maybe you're on the same boat with me, Trey, but Noah Eagle, for example, who does the Big Ten on NBC Saturday night primetime game, He's with Todd Blackledge. He's fantastic. And they're coming. They're, they kind of change their philosophy. Instead of just sticking to the Big Ten, they'll be the number one crew for their best game of the weekend, which well, is good. I thought that was a good crew. Like, I was so happy they they kind of did the loophole when they did Notre Dame, Ohio State, and they recognized, like, you put your number one crew, which is no one Todd on, on that game. But I will say this. Uh, to Jack Collinworth, I think he's a pretty solid host. He also got paired with... The worst in that. Why, why is Jason Garrett? Like, like it was. You, hold up, hold up. Can I go, can I go, can I go, can I 
You have, you're Notre Dame, and you have thousands of alums, including many of whom have broadcasting experience and played football. Mike Golick. Ding, ding, ding. Either. Either Mike Golick. And you could pick one of them. You picked the clapper. And you pick a guy who wins a Princeton who has no ties to the university and wasn't even successful in the NFL. Sorry, Cowboy fans, but even you'll admit that Jason Garrett did nothing to change this great analogy. It's y'all. so bad. It's so looking bad. a little bit like those Dallas Cowboys as peaking in the 90s. And number one on the Fast Five at Five-ish. So just a little bit of uh, business to clean up, so to speak. NASCAR business, that is. NASCAR declined the Race Team Alliance, which is basically the collection of NASCAR teams with charters. The Race Team Alliance offer for a charter meeting before the Daytona 500 this past weekend. It's all a ploy. If NASCAR does accept that type of an invitation, they're basically giving more credence to that organization to which they don't want to give credence. It's a negotiation tactic. At some point, they will get the deal done, but this is how messy business, hardcore business, especially corporate-based business, negotiations often unfold, and don't be shocked when you hear more of this in NASCAR and other sports. And there is your Fast Five at Five-ish. When we return to the Fast Lane, ACC Network Analyst and Carolina alum Joel Barry II. Then Trey and I will squeeze in our votes of confidence before chatting with Andrew Jones of Tar Heel Illustrated. So much to do, so little time. This is the Fast Lane on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app.